right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Brenton Productions. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's the man, the myth, the legend. Dun, dun, dun. He's got his own soundtrack when he walks around the Ford plant, man. It is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Kevin, I'm fired up today. You know why? Because today we're talking hot rods, baby. We're talking Mopars. That's right. It's project day, man. Update on projects. Stuff that we dig, man. We're excited about, passionate about. Oh, and you have one glorious machine yeah. that you're building in your garage right now, man. You know, dude, I look at guys like Chip Foose and the Ring Brothers and see these cars at SEMA over the years. And, you know, it's a little bit intimidating when you sit out to build a very unique and different style hot rod. Um, the one car I hadn't seen up there, being a Mopar guy, has always been that first gen Charger, you know, which is kind of like... I'll be honest, it's kind of like an ugly duckling. I was going to say, there's usually a reason why you don't see many of those, <laughs> like up on the podium, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It looks like it's skip leg day at the gym, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you know, everybody out there, check them out. The 6667, right? First gen charger. I mean, they got the lines kind of, right? Like it's a fastback, right? I mean, I'm a fastback fan, right? I've got... You know, I got my 65. I love it. Uh, but there's something a little awkward. It's like, you know, a teenager from two good-looking parents. You know, they just haven't quite uh, grown into their ears and their stick legs <laughs> and stuff. You know, like you can see the features from, you know, mom and, you know, handsome dad. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know? But with that being said, dude, uh, I have to admit, uh, I haven't got to see it in person. I've just seen all your pictures and the progression I mean, that is the nastiest, most wicked, brutish, mean, just in-your-face, punch-to-the-gut, 65, well, 66-67 Charger I have ever seen. And I bet you, you know, anybody who sees this car, especially in person, are, are just not going to believe that that's what it used to be. Because it, to me, in my mind, it's a whole different thing. You've created a new car right a new yeah. piece of badass well you know what when i as a charger fan i've always always been in love with the gen 2 charger what most people will recall as the dukes of hazard car or the oh i thought you were the gen uh, 5 guy you know the bullet no no aren't you a gen 5 guy Shut up. <laughs> what was that? 82 to what? 87 or something? We don't talk about those years. It's like the 76 Mustang. We don't discuss that. <laughs> what? There was a Mustang in those years? I don't remember yeah. that. 
the the Gen One Charger, you know, was designed ironically by the same man that brought us today's modern Charger in the Hellcat, Carl Cam Cameron. Uh, back in the day, he was asked to come up with a design that wouldn't hurt the sales of the Plymouth Barracuda, but would go out there and kind of wrestle with the you know the Ford Mustang market, the you know the Camaro market. Um, you know, not in '66 obviously, but in '67. And it's funny because. The line that he came up with, sure, it's got the big fastback roof line, but it kind of loses it right there out to the roof line because the sides of the car are way too flush, in my opinion. Uh, they put it on really small 14-inch tires, so it just it looked out of place. But there were some really cool features. When you see a first-gen Charger, one of the very first things that stick out is what they call electric shaver grill. So you got all these gnarly-looking, like, veins in a grill and when it's when it the whole grill is full of it you know it does look like a you know like an electric razor but it looks kind of mean and wicked and it has full rotating you know headlights which are kind of cool you know they didn't have that for a while it had four individual bucket seats it had a center console that went all the way through the middle of the car it had dash pods that were a, a different color when they illuminated it had a trunk divider that dropped back into the trunk so you could shove a surfboard in it like it had some really cool features just aesthetically damn it was ugly like damn yeah <laughs> like, like i said man it it's got the features of finer machines you know, it just has that teenage, awkward, stick-legged kind of thing going on, you know? And it's kind of interesting. So tell me, it, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, it's got kind of a hard line going across the top of the fenders. And I think it goes all the way back, like past the door, and it's continuous, right? Is that a trim piece? Is, yes. Is that a pinch weld? I so, mean, how, yeah. how does that work? Yeah, it was a pinch weld. It's where the two pieces came together, okay. right? They fold it right there, clipped it, and then they put that nice little, you know, stainless steel molding, you know, the trim piece all the way down that body line. And that was a big decision in what I did with the car and how I was going to shape and form the car was that little, you know, half-inch piece of trim because it really defined the car and it sort of... You know, defines the lines between the side of the car, I think what they were trying to get, and the roof line of the car. So I'll tell you what, man, for those of you, I'll, I'll give you a minute because we've got to take a break to go Google this ugly duckling charger and look at what it was from the factory. And I, I touched every single panel on it. I did something that nobody does. I chopped the top of a muscle car. So I'll explain a couple of steps and what we did and where it's at now here in just a minute. Back in a minute on Two Guys Garage Podcast. Yeah, get yourself grounded. Get yourself grounded and then we'll talk about where it is today. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Two Guys Garage Podcast. Willie B over here, Kevin Bird, and we are talking about one of Willie's badass projects that he's been brewing on for a couple years now. And it's yes. a 60, is it 66 or 67? Yeah, it's a 66. Let me share a little pedigree of the car. It is a 1966 Dodge Charger. Now, the production numbers on the 66 Dodge Charger were just over 37,300. Compare that to, you know, over 600,000 Ford Mustangs, and you see the hole that Dodge was in for muscle cars or cars in that era. So out of those 37,000 Dodge Chargers they made in 1966, 
12,514 or so were 318s. Almost 6,000 more were 361 cars. And 12,328 were 383s, which is what I have in my 66, or what it originally was. However, you go a little further in, out of those 12,200 or 2,809 of them were four-speed cars. Mine happens to be one of those 2,809 383 four-speed 66 chargers. So that's the pedigree that I started with. A pretty rare big block muscle car, four-speed. It's got a man pedal. So I saw a picture of it and uh, in a carport. It was in Washington State. And the car was so moldy, so covered in green, it looked like a green car. <laughs> well, there's probably somebody out there shedding a tear for that, you know, a pedigree of 66, 67 Charger. Um, but I'm hoping that that maybe one person out there shedding the tear can see what you're doing with this thing and where you're going with it and kind of... You know, get over the fact that you're not making it stock, and you've used and abused it, and and you're you're chopping <laughs> it up. Cause man, it is a wild, wild beast. Now, let me let me kind of give these guys a, a frame up, cause you know, hopefully some of them have kind of uh, you know grounded themselves on the baseline car. Um, and I'll let you walk through the details. But so this right, this kind of rickety, goofy thing now is a full-on wide body slammed it's all in metal so it just looks mean and cool and metal is always for whatever reason if you could just keep a car metal you know if we didn't need that paint yeah. thing but uh you know fully skirted you know it's got the sort of lip spoiler on the rear you got some things going on the front you know like chin spoiler kind of thing and um wow it is not a clumsy old uh 60s awkwardy muscle car anymore man it is turning into just a nasty nasty machine yeah man and you know what it's funny kevin because i don't think i've ever sort of told you the reason behind the car so i got hired onto two guys right i came from my tv career started at pink all out i was on that show you know the the speed mobile theater when it was speed tv came through denver i'm a, a local rock radio station morning show host i've been on the radio in denver uh for a couple decades well they came through and and asked if i would be interested in doing tv so i was like hell yeah so i was on that show for a minute and they knew that show was going away and one of my, you know, one of the guys I know really well was like, have you seen Two Guys Garage? So I went down there, auditioned, as you know, cleaned up the tools uh, as you and, uh, you and your boy went rowing. <laughs> you did a great job, though, man. Those things had a polish on them like nobody's business. That first year, I realized, man, I, I come from I come from the the weekend warrior type scenario. I've always been the guy that's raced eighth mile, done street racing, uh, raced quarter mile, did a bunch of series, uh, done road courses and that stuff. Always got my my fix on racing, you know, like like the Fast and Furious movie, quarter mile at a time, and in those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Uh, well, look, I, I saw what we were doing on two guys and it was like, you know what? I got to pick a project that will enhance my learning curve because I'm a hands-on type guy. Knowing, you know, what you did with your BMW was a great inspiration for me because I learned 
how meticulous you were on your BMW build. He LS swapped it a wide body kit and he all did it by hand before there were kits available uh, on his BMW. And I really sit back and admired that and admired the challenge of it. So I looked at this car and literally I paid $3,500 for it. I had it shipped from Washington state. I brought it to my driveway. I pressure washed the car. I brought it in that night and I took a, a cutting wheel and cut the fenders off of it. <laughs> Like that's how I was I was dead set on this car has to be a wide body because I love the roof line, but what it's attached to is hideous to me. So I basically took the Gen 2 Coke bottle curves that everybody loves on the Dukes of Hazard style charger, and I said, What if they applied that same that same concept into the first gen charger? How would I make that? How would I marry what I love about the second gen charger, which at the time I owned, you know, eight or nine second gen chargers. That was my first, you know, first gen charger. So I started looking at it and going, okay, if I were to take what they did, in my opinion, that was great with gen two charger, the Dukes of Hazard style and incorporate it into the first gen charger, I think I'd be looking at a really epic machine. So that's what I started going for. That's what I started to do is, take the Coke bottle feel of the fenders in the back and in the front of that Gen 2 charger and work it into the fenders and the compound turns of the first Gen charger. And after I did that, I realized I had to work more than just the fenders and the quarter panels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. When you got to keep something as a continuous theme, um, yeah, you start, you know, moving some stuff around you realize well, there's a whole this is all interconnected you know yeah i gotta make sure this whole thing and then you put so many hours and stuff into it uh it's real easy to to mess up right this is this is daunting from another uh multiple factors because one is just getting the design and the proportion right because right people are used to seeing you know a car in a particular way right how it came from the factory maybe it had a scoop maybe it had this blah 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 but the body lines are all the same and when you start moving stuff around people what, what, uh -huh. what, is, what is that i'm not i don't know i don't know you know and so you have a challenge to make the design look better by by magnitudes than than the original one but then the second challenge is you got to make the damn thing yeah. man you got to get your cutters and your grinders and you got to shape metal and you got to get it to flow and not warp stuff and I mean, hey, that's just a massive undertaking. It has huh? been, you know, just over three and a half years of really concentrated work and effort um, just to get the body where I could look at it and go, okay, I'm happy. So what I did, I cut the fenders out and I started moving them outwards, giving the car some hips, basically. And once I started doing that, I started really figuring out, you know, what I wanted aesthetically to look like, what I wanted the, the you know, sort of the outer wheel wells to kind of hang over some wide wide meats underneath it and i wanted to incorporate the the makeshift fake air ducts they have on the side that are just stamped into the metal i want to make those functional so they actually work now and cool the rear disc brakes um i wanted to make it where you could get in and adjust you know the independent rear suspension that's under the car so i created a, a car that from the back looks really wide i added three inches on each side of the car from where the factory wheel lips are. So I just took the original wheel lips, stuck them out three inches and started building it from there. 
Yeah, six inches is a quite a bit of extra car, right? You yeah. know, three inches aside, and that's not an easy task. Like, um, you know, having done a wide body and, and and starting another one myself, like, you know, once you get about two and a half inches of you know some kind of a fender flare, I mean, you start to get into territory where you can look really awkward. You know, yeah. to get it to blend back in, right? So that it looks right and it has the hips without just looking like a big blob on the side or, a, you know, take a fender off of a trailer, right? Just some big thing and slap right. it on there. You know, it's it's not easy. No. Yeah. You know, instead of doing just big flares, I wanted to move the entire fender out so that it it started that turn outward, you know, giving it that sort of aggressive looking lines of that gen two charger i wanted to start it right at the door so i started moving the fender out you know once i got it's funny because once i found that that two and three quarter to three inch spacing i walk back and i look at the back of the car i walk through the front of the car and i look at it i look at it from the side you know and and that's when it was like two inches i'm like well we're not quite there so i'd cut the tacks off you know where i put it and i would tack a piece that was two and a quarter inches and i would set the fender in the wheel loop where i wanted and i'd take a look at the car and i'm like no i'm not quite there and i did that all the way past three inches brought it back to where i'm at and i'm like okay this is where i think the car needs to live at so from there created a buck and just started you know making the metal like you said a real fluid turn as opposed to just stamping some you know aggressive um you know fender flares on it and calling it a wide body which is a popular thing to do right now okay so everybody at home for everybody at home what uh it sounds like you you know cut the fender took the original fender lip placed it out and then mm-hmm. that was kind of you know a fixture in space, and then you started working from the original body out to that fender. Lip. Yeah, I just started. I pie cut the fender vertically, so about every three inches, I would go and I would cut it, and I would bring the fender out, the whole fender, and just work it out to the point where I thought that top line being out two and three quarter inches as it came down and made it three inches at the wheel lip was a perfect aesthetic look of where that fender needed to bulge at where it needed to come out at and where it needed to tuck in before the bumper and the and the seam of the door so i was really happy with that space so i just started working it out tacking it up on on the top you know this that line you were talking about earlier those two pieces of stamped steel when they come together on that top piece of trim molding that was where I would cut and put the two two and a quarter inch spacer. So I would tack it there and then work the fender out. Once I got the fender out and those cuts, I would tack those together so I get a rudimentary kind of feel as to what the fender would look like all flared. Then I created a buck and made sure that both both the sides were the same. So everybody's got a preference on welding, and you know there's different rationale for you know typically when you're doing body work like that thin sheet metal, you're either doing a MIG, you know a wire type welder or a tig uh and they both have their challenges and they both have their places like so where did you maybe start and where did you end up have you done a little bit of both or if you predominantly lean towards one everything underneath the car like all the cage i I built a really cool sort of subframe underneath the car because i'm skinning the whole underneath of the car i migged all that but when it came to the 
you know, all the fenders, the panels on the car. I ticked all that just so I could make a smaller point. And, you know, when I introduced that heat into the fender, I didn't want it to warp what I had left as far as the original sort of feel, flare, and, and fluidity of that fender, you know. So I just used TIG on all the fenders, both the front and the rear quarters, on the roof, on the hood, uh, the car on the outside on top of it. It's all been TIG welded. Yeah, I think you'll get a lot of you know high-end builders and there's i think some bragging rights um you know that really oh i only use tig i mean especially for the outer panels because i'm fully with you like in anywhere that um an underbody whatever i mean grab what's easy grab what works for you uh if the mig is it go for it um you know that uh, mig weld is typically harder so Mm -hmm. you know you you do a bunch of spots along you know a weld line you got a hard line there you know, for one, it takes a lot longer to grind that back down. And then you have a little bit different, you know, hardness between your base metal and your and your weld. So, I mean, those are factors, I think, really finessed, really good fabricators, you know, kind of argue for doing TIG. Um, but sometimes it's hard because now you have to have two hands. You have to have your TIG torch. You got to have your filler rod. And I mean, as soon as you strike that arc, if your filler's not right in there oh yeah you know blow a hole in your panel versus a mix throwing kind of a ball of you know melted metal at it and so you can just kind of throw a blob you know on a mig so a mig does make things a lot easier uh but i think on the back side once you go to you know metal finishing uh i think that's where the tig typically shines is a softer metal it's easier to grind uh the weld down the weld pool you know the puddle each little spot is typically smaller right so there's less work you can shape it more evenly but you know i find especially when you're starting right if i'm starting a panel and i'm hanging usually i'm working by myself and so i'm trying to hold things and you know i'll definitely spot a panel on you know right right get it stuck on there and if it's some really awkward positions you know i don't care i'll I'll use the mig but any other time if i can switch over and do the tig um, i'm fully with you yeah and that's basically what i did and trust me man there are times where, you know, like we've said a million times, use patience when it comes to TIG welding because, you know, the gas panel door, where the gas door was on that fender, for example, one of the first patches I did via TIG, I was a little too anxious, put a little too much heat Mm -hmm. in it, and it turned the whole panel. So, yeah, man, you learn really quick when you're doing it yourself what mistakes not to make again. And really, we'll take a break now. I got the fenders where I wanted. I got, you know, the quarters where I wanted. But the second big sort of, oh my God, am I really going to do this on the car, uh, I'll get into next, which really changed the entire persona, the personality of that car. I really believe it was the biggest change, you know, game changer I did on the vehicle. I'll tell you what that is after this break, all right? The Two Guys Rides Podcast, he is Kevin Bird, I'm Willie B, back in just a minute. And we are back, the Two Guys Garage podcast with the man, Willie B, and myself, Kevin Bird. We're talking about Willie's kick-ass 66-67 Charger that has now morphed into something that is meaner and nastier and more wicked than you probably could have ever imagined one of those early cars could be. (laughs) And uh, before the break, you know, we were talking about, you know, different styles of welding and, and some tips and you know, moving and shaping and all kinds of things. And uh, Willie started to tease us about, 
you know, as you were kind of putting these design elements and you're figuring out how wide it's going to go and how you're going to blend the shapes and which line of the vehicle you're going to move around, uh, it got to some points where, you know, there was kind of that dramatic change. Like I'm working it, I'm working it, but I've got to make some decisions. Uh, so Willie, tell us what, what was kind of the moment or what was the feature that really, I think for you brought the whole car together, like, damn, that's what I was thinking, or that was better than I was thinking, or whatever it was. Well, I first started on the rear of the car, the quarter panels, right? So the quarter panels to me were, you know, are the big standout, like, whoa, the defined thing and aspect about that car. Because, you know, from the factory, from the original sort of concept, dude, the quarter panels on that car are hideous. Like, you've seen it. It looks like you skipped leg day. They're terrible. Right. It does. So <laughs> the first thing I want to do is shape the quarter panels. I move those out three inches on each side. So six inches, you know, that car's grown on the rear. So in the front, I got to move the front fenders out, and I moved them out an inch and a half. So the car aesthetically, I don't know why it always works out like that. It's got an inch and a half, you know, added to the width of the car on each side on the front three inches on the back so it's got a real coke bottle feel to it the doors still remain in their factory position so it brings that real you know depth and curves to the car on the side of it which it was lacking before it was just real flush real vertical real straight up and down so after i did that i'm looking at that big swooping fastback and it just i'm telling you man this was one of the toughest decisions i had to make on the car I'm looking at that fastback sort of roof line and thinking to myself, I can't live with it. And as you know, you're a builder. You, you've made that decision. Like it just, every time I look at the car, my eyes just get interrupted right there. The A pillars were taller. So it looked like a greater than sign going down the road. If you can imagine what a greater than sign <laughs> yeah. looks like with wheels, that's kind of what that car looked like. I mean, on the sides, everything was perfect. But now, because I made the sides so much more aggressive, I dropped the stance on the car a little bit. The roof line looked way out of perspective. So I had to think, what can I do to bring that roof line down? So I thought about just cutting the roof. There's a little bit of metal and material there, and it climbs a little bit in height just after where you mount would flush mount that you know windshield, the window at. So I looked at taking some real estate out of that and just shrinking it. And then I was like, well, how about if I could harvest some A-pillars from another 66 Charger, what if I could cut the A-pillars down and just cut the entire rear valance of the car, the entire sail panel, so right where the little small window is in the back, the, the wing window, I cut it from right there all the way back through the trunk line along the, you know, the top of the car. And as soon as I did that, the entire roof of the car just goes kapunk, and it just settled down like an inch and three quarter, almost two inches. It almost fell into place where I welded it up at. So I dropped the front, I leaned it back, I dropped it two and three quarter inches. So the A-pillars now lean back a lot more, but I kept, uh, basically, I made a, a mock front windshield so that the front windshield can maintain the same height and width and all that stuff. So a factory windshield fits into it. I gotta sand the corners, but aside from that, 
everything everything fits perfect but the a pillars dropped back towards you a little bit and the entire roof of the car and the front dropped about two and three quarters inches okay so you can run a stock front and rear glass i could run stock rear glass the front glass has got to be shaved down Okay, so you could shave down a, a front glass. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then uh, your side glass probably got to get recut too. Yeah, right? I'm doing. But the the great thing is, in side glass, it was all flush glass. It's all just straight glass. It's not curved. You oh, know how some wow. old muscle cars have, you know, curved glass. This is just straight up and down. So it worked out really well. Yeah, I mean, for everybody that's never chopped a car or whatever. Um, yeah, one challenge again is is the metal work, right? Getting the design right. right. Uh, but then glass. Glass is not necessarily the easiest thing, and uh, you know there's there's been some some evolutions in what you can do with glass for sure. Um, but typically, it's something you very much have to consider. What am I going to do? Am I going to use some kind of plexiglass, real glass? Am I going to use a donor? You know, how do I make that surround in a way that, uh, you know, I have a solution once I've got the shape and the form that I want, I, I can put glass back in. And like I said, on yeah, the sides, man. having flat glass, I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, it was a big bonus. And that front windshield, we took a factory windshield and just started sanding on it. And hours of sanding on the glass and shaping the bottom of it, you know, the top fits just like it did from the factory. So it looks great. On the bottom is where we, you know, we took off, you know, the real estate from it got it mounted in there really nice so it, it looks just like it did from the factory it's just when you see it it's so subtle you the eight pillars are lean back a little bit it's dropped by two and you know two and a quarter two and a half inches i forgot what it is now because it's been a while since i put a measure on it but it it's so subtle but looks so dramatically different on that car it changed the entire persona of the car it made it come alive well, that's one of the things I've learned, you know, over the years working on cars. And, you know, you can go to a lot of car shows and really inspect and see what people are doing. You know, on the one end is the, you know, restoration or, you know, modding of a restoration where I got suspension and other things on it. But the other is when you're really moving stuff around. And, and uh, you know, it was great working with a guy like Chip Foose and Overhauling uh, for, you know, many episodes. And, and, you know, he was limited on, you know, you have a week to do a build. So you got to contain some of those movements. But... You know, he could look at a car and kind of walk around it and go, you know, if I could just change this, this, and this, you know, these little, and, and a lot of times they were just small features, but it would change dynamically how you felt about a car, even if it was the same car. Now, if you just walk a little bit further and you're thinking, you know, I'm going to do a chop top on a 32, I'm going to do, right, I'm going to lay back my windshield and slope my fastback a little bit different on my, on my charger, right? All of a sudden you can dramatically and people when i say dramatically a lot of times um you know depending on the subtlety you you can't pin it down right you can't go oh i know exactly what you did you you took out two inches here and you sloped it to one and a half yeah. over here you know but somehow you can dramatically go this is the coolest one of those i've ever seen you yeah <laughs> i can't tell exactly. you why i i haven't showed it in public uh, very often, aside from one or two places that I've been asked to bring it here, I'm trying to, to get it ramped up to get it to SEMA next year. However, when I do, when I do show this car, I always bring my other 66 Charger that I now have and park it right beside of it. And people absolutely lose their mind that that's the same car, you know, that they're looking at in, in raw metal because it looks so dramatically different. Also, I flipped the script on the hood. You know, on those 66 and 7 Chargers, 
they kind of have an inverted line in the hood. So it starts out protruding, and as it rounds up in the middle, it drives into the windshield, and it, it kind of disappears, the, the little hood lines. So there's two distinct panels in the hood. So I took that and flipped it. So it grows into a Cal induction hood oh, on yeah. my 66 Charger. So it, it almost like it, like it was designed that way from the factory, but it really made that sort of decision really easy to make when I dropped the A-pillars and set the windshield in it and could see how the hood would run up to it. I'm going to flush mount it as tight as I can against that windshield. So it really made a big difference in what I could do with the whole car, you know, cutting the top of it, chopping the top on a muscle car, which ask any guy, you know, 99% of the time they'll tell you never, never chop the top on a muscle car. Are you crazy? But this is when it had to go. Yeah, I saw one a couple years ago up here at the Woodward Dream Cruise. It was a, you know, I think it was a 70 Mustang Fastback, and and they chopped the top. And, you know, I looked at it, and I'm thinking, um, you know, I'm very open-minded, and I love when people just do whatever the hell they want. That's their car. Do whatever you want, you know? Um, But in that case, there wasn't enough other things moved around to where it was all cohesive. It was just that one element, like the top just got chopped a little bit. Yeah. Uh, there might have been more, but I didn't quite, you know, catch it. But it was, you know, I just kind of sat back and like, oh, that's a lot of work, man. And what did you really gain out of it? Uh, but when you combine something that just wasn't right to begin with, because a fastback on a Mustang, those early ones, sixty nine seventy, yeah. those are spot yeah. on, man. Yeah, no doubt they did that. They did that right. So just to chop something, you got to ask yourself. But when you do it for the right reasons, and when you take something that's got a little awkward, and you put some grace and some dial in it you know and especially when you pull the whole theme together like that oh that's righteous well you know how most men will tell you they've never won a game of notice anything different with me you know (laughs) most guys will tell you they've never won that game you can set this car out anywhere and if they're a charger fan and i say notice anything different about that charger they're gonna be like whoa i don't know that they would ever come to you chop the top sort of scenario or conclusion until you told them and you compared it with another 66 or 7 charger it really is subtle but wow it makes the biggest impact on the car that of anything i've done well that's the best way you want to make these changes is, is you can make them in you know if you can do them in subtle ways that have a dramatic impact but without being kind of in your face like oof well that uh, that's definitely chopped uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know all right well yeah man give me some big picture man because you got these big wide fenders on it so what size tire you got under the rear what what, what do you got on the front so you know tires are still something I'm, I'm still messing with i got you know and i actually stumped because i forgot the tire that i have on there right now but it's about 15 inches wide it's a big meat underneath it man um, yeah but, you know, I, I've literally, I've gone through a, a couple, I'm still decided on the rim whether I want something old school muscly, like a torque thrust or something like that, or if I want something real performance-based, you know, like I'm still kind of undecided on the tire. I will tell you, I've gone with a Riley Motorsports front suspension. Uh, I've got 14-inch wheel woods in the front of it. I got um, the altercation kit on it, but I beefed it up a little bit. I've done a real unique subframe connector uh scenario underneath it that made it a lot of rigidity to the car uh it's got a heights independent rear suspension the powertrain of the car uh is a hellcat red eye so yeah. you know, <laughs> it's uh it's got a decent power plant to it but i plan on 
getting into that red eye and, and turning it up a little bit. So, so the car is, you know, is around 11, 1200 at the wheel. And of yes, course, sir. being the guy that I am, it's going through a six speed. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. So I put a man pedal in it just cause. Yeah. Tremix six speed. Yes. A Tremix yes, six speed. Yes, sir. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh man, I am digging it. So, uh, you know, it sounds like yeah, you, you got tire, you got brake. Uh, depending on how you set your suspension up, um, are you, is this going to be a straight line car? Is this just going to be a cruiser, just a baller uh, road course at all? Or? It's funny because I built this car originally. When I first started building the car, I, I wanted to be the first first-gen charger over 200 miles an hour. But I stepped away from that power plant after I started seeing what the car was shaping up like and w what it became, I was like, man, to only long track that car would be a disgrace to the work and, and the time, just the fidelity I have into it. So as I, I moved along and saw what the car was shaping up to, to me, I, I built it as a car that I could take on a road course and be competitive with. I'm not going to be out at an Optima challenge trying to, you know, ring it a top three pole position. However, I, I do plan on, you know, pushing the car to its limits. That's why I went with, you know, big brakes, really over beast suspension, um, big power in the car and enough meat underneath it to make it stick and hold the road. So I think in the end, it's going to be one of those cars that I get in with my kids and be, you know, daddy's got something to show you. And regardless if they're five or if they're 25, if we roll up in that car, they're getting cool points, you know, like that's a one of a kind. And I can't wait just to show it off and, and smile because the giggle factor is going to be through the roof on that thing. <laughs> right on. All right. So we're getting to a, you know, kind of a wrap up here for the show, but what is your next kind of big challenge like you know it sounds like you got your front uh you know clip suspension whatever figured mm -hmm. out you got your rear is the is the rear sub in have you got it all welded in so that's what we're i'm currently working on right now is the independent rear suspension in the back of the car so that's the big hurdle in the next you know 30 to 45 days is getting that all you know mocked up and where i want it and the stance in the car uh exactly where i want it and then we lock everything in so I think after, you know, another 45 to 60 days, uh, this car is going to take another big step forward. Uh, I've got a concept of what I want for the interior, utilizing the four bucket seat scenario, uh, an integrated roll cage into the garnish moldings, um, and really what was style point wise big for that particular Mopar, the interior, the pods in the, in the gauge cluster were really cool. The, the console that went all the way back to the back seat and up, all those things I'm incorporating into the interior of the car when it comes back out, it's just going to be just a little different. <laughs> nice, man. Well, it sounds like you're keeping a lot of the original high points, right? The theme, some of the feel to it or whatever. It's easy to, you know, uh, oh, I got to modernize everything and I'm going to put a, you know, a 19 or whatever, a 2018, uh, you know, charger dash in it and it's like oh yeah you did it but it doesn't right. fit the car you know like yeah well the interesting thing is it's going to have all the old you know the dash pods are all going to be there but they're all going to be uh referencing new data and all updated gauges it's going to look 
aesthetically, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like it did in '66. But it's going to be giving me, you know, my where I'm at as far as my boost level, where my fuel pressure's at, you know, all this stuff uh, as far as the data it's sending me. But it's going to look like it did in '66. Nice. Okay, so when you put your rear chassis in, right, you got to cut out a bunch of stuff, and now you're referenced to where the ground level is and what's flat and all that stuff, right? Do you have any plans for how you're going to get this uh, subframe in? Do you have any kind of jig table or anything flat square you're working on? Yeah, we got to sit it on a jig. We have it all mocked up right now on a jig. Um, and I actually, I'm going over this weekend to finalize where I need to be as far as height to the couple, a couple other things and, and where I want the wheel to sit on the car and how far, you know, I got some big meats underneath this car. So just I, I, the car's got to be, as you know, stance oh, to yeah. me is critical. To me, the car has got to sit just perfect because, you know, this car is massive. When you look at it from behind, it's got a really cool rear spoiler integrated into the, the metal work. The rear, you know, it's got a huge, huge brake lens on it. just says Charger. That's how they designed it in 66. So, you know, it's got a real cool diffuser coming out from underneath the car. So from the from the factory had a really cool back end i've just made it a lot more aggressive and now you see that independent rear suspension sitting underneath that and it just pops your nugget it pops your mind so <laughs> how i'm going to integrate the diffuser and a couple of the other things or what i'm working on right now before i lock everything in all right so where can people find it you know if they want to see pictures of the progress so far um well you know i'll graciously ask two guys garage to put it up on their instagram page um which is always great you can find it there uh and catch up with it there and you know obviously on the two guys garage website you'll find pages of it and then my personal stuff is willie b on facebook and willie underscore kbpi um on instagram you'll see pictures of it there but would really like you to follow along on the two guys sites anyway so catch up with it there it is the ugliest charger. I'm I'm doing it like Chip and Joanne. You, you so I'm doing it like you know like a home makeover. Like yeah, it's a fixer upper, man. Yeah, I'm doing it like Chip and Joanne. But it's you know Willie and and my wife. So I took an ugly duckling, and we'll see if I can't make it pretty aggressive and and wicked in the end. All right, so everybody can follow along, man. This is gonna be awesome. Uh, you know, maybe we'll we'll get this topic back on here before too long, and, and kind of walk us through, you know, the things that you learned on. Uh, you know how to jig how to set up because i mean it is absolutely yeah. critical to get your all four wheels you know talking to each other squared up yes. squared up just like you said getting your your stance getting everything just right because once you weld that in boy it is in there <laughs> and nobody likes to see a car crab walking sideways as it's going no. down and, and <laughs> nobody likes to to give a performance when you got your geometry all goofed up when you're out on a track and and doing the performance Amen. so yeah take some notes share them with the with the crew and next time we have on this topic and uh, man i had fun with this one dude it's it's cool living vicariously through you and then uh kind of kicking mine off it's kind of the edges of the final planning stages i started doing some cutting so we'll maybe talk about some 65 fastback wide body crazy ass build <laughs> coming up here sometime soon my man <laughs> indeed we will well, look, man, we appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. And don't forget about our TV show each and every weekend. Find it on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is always a cool way to get it. My man, Kevin Bird, I'm Willie B., our producer, Scoop, our executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check us out on our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. You know, Check out our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. 
Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020 Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. And with that, folks, we are wrapping up. I had a blast. This was fun, man. We'll definitely bring this one on again. And now we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage Podcast. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.